My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Now that was another fun hockey game. Judd and AJ Fredrickson with you. I am uh, in the bowels of the XL Energy Center. AJ co-hosting and producing from his home where he just got done watching a 4-3 wild win in overtime. Age a ton to get to off of uh, off of a game in which the wild uh, blew a lead a couple of times, but uh, one in OT. And the thing here about this win, too, is it's against an Easter Conference team, so you gave up a point, but who cares? Like, when it's against the Canucks, it's a problem, because then it's a point, or Calgary, it's a problem, because it's a point for them. In this case, though, um, you got the two points, and that is the desired result, and the point that you gave to the opposing team matters not. Um, Let's get right to it. Let's get right to it. Kirill... Kirill is cooking. Kirill Kaprizov is cooking. I was watching him. So, so the nice thing about being at games, especially a sport like this, is is you can just watch guys. So it's not dictated by the camera. Mm-hmm. And I was watching him, and he's feeling it again now. He's feeling it again. I, I wouldn't say he's all the way uh, back to the guy that, that he was because I still think he's hindered by something, but he's feeling it. You can just see it. He's got that uh, spark. He's got the confidence back. He's got the mojo back. Um, second consecutive OTGWG. This one, a thing of beauty, a nice feed by J- Joe Hansen. I, I had written in my notes right before that that I had to talk about the three on three because it's being killed by these guys circling back. There needs to be, and I think they're going to fix this, there needs to be an o- over and back. You can't go backward. You can't pass your goaltender. That's not what God intended for three on three. But but age, um, Kirill had the first assist on the Boldy goal to start the game. Um, he then had an assist taken away on the Rossi goal, which was the second of the, the game. Uh, but then he did have the first assist on the Faber or, or uh, power play goal in the third period that gave the Wild a brief lead. And then he scores this goal. Good news, Wild fans. The superstar of this team appears to really, really be feeling like himself much more. And it's fun to watch. Yeah, we talked about this after the loss to the Penguins, where we saw a lot of, you know, he was starting to take those bigger strides back. And it's been like, it's been frustrating watching because it's like, we know it's there. He, the the frustration's been building up. You can see it just with his momentum and just like how he's been going around his mannerisms. He's getting frustrated because he's not producing at the level to which that he knows he can. Fans are getting frustrated because he's not getting, uh, he's not producing at the level to which we know he can. This past week has been the coming out party for Kirill Kaprizov. A lot of encouraging things now materializing into production. He's driving through the neutral zone with speed and power, but still agile. He's contorting his body in certain ways to which we can't, you know, we can't converse about. Um, He is, he's stick handling with the best of them. The turnovers have scaled back a little bit. There's still a little bit of an issue, but they're scaling back, which is, it's progress. We're getting there. And now that finishing touch seems to also be coming back as well. We talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago, um, just with whatever has been aching with him and, and kind of nagging him. He hasn't had that ability in these, as um, I want to say a, a comment earlier, in his office, so to speak. Um, he wasn't able to really put those away. He's receiving the pass, but because of whatever was going on with him, he wasn't able to corral the pass. And in the same motion that we've seen for the past, you know, a couple of years now, 
be able to take that in stride, same motion in a fluid kind of water-like substance, throw it towards the net and beat the goaltender. We saw that tonight. We saw that um, against Boston the other day. Two uh, OT GWGs and Kirill is cooking and just in time for the holiday season. So I love it. It's it's so good to see him um, appear to be what is Kirill Kaprizov at his, at his best. Yeah, the, these two shots on, on the OT goals last two games have just been fantastic because they've been right off passes. They're the thing of beauty. Um, he's putting the puck where he wants again now. And uh, we also should mention two things about this game. One is Montreal's not a great team, but they had won two consecutive games, and they're plucky. Like, they're far more plucky than I expected. Tonight's game was uh, – there were a lot of – I mean, for an Eastern Conference, Western Conference game, there was a lot of chippiness here, and the Canadians are – I would call them a feisty group. Uh, the other thing is, before the game – the Wild announced that Ryan Hartman now has an upper body injury. He did not play. Um, the, the Wild actually went with one fewer forward, so 11 forwards and seven defensemen. Hartman didn't play. Zuccarello still out. Brodeen obviously out. Spurgeon, and I'm getting convinced the Spurgeon thing's a tease, right? Oh, he might be back next game. He might be, a, who knows? But, you know, that's four key players. Faber, again, 30-plus minutes his second goal of the season and first since opening night on a power play and by the way when Spurgeon comes back I fully expect uh, Brock Faber to be left on the power play because he looks great because and and yes he was on the ice for some goals against but he's playing 32 minutes a game it's absolutely incredible and you gotta remember uh, for one of those his d partner kicked it in with his shin so yeah you know, i know i know i know and that, that was a one, tough but... that was a tough one too yeah. um but yes yeah jake uh, jake accidentally kicked that puck in mm -hmm. but a lot to like tonight i thought that this game was um i thought that this game was very feisty, which I liked. And how about this one? So how about the hit on Kaprizov, which, by the way, was very questionable and looked dangerous. I hated that. I hate those hits. I absolutely, if we're going to get rid of those hits, you know, blindside hits, Kaprizov go, goes down. Okay, that's not good. The good news is he gets up. The other impressive thing, though, and I know he got two, ten, and five, okay, but Marco Rossi coming to Capril, a Caril, Capril, a Caril Caprizov's defense immediately, and I mean the the stick tapping on the wild uh, um, boards was incredible. That was something, man. That was, you know, it. You take a penalty, I get it. You're out for an extended period of time, I get it. But if you're the Wild, I think that goes a long way internally in that locker room age because what we're seeing is exactly what Bill Guerin uh, said last year. He said, Dean and I want to see more of a, as, as the comment right there says on the screen, an FU in his game, which I don't think he was big enough or strong enough to have. He does now. But um, I think for the long term, Rossi – Going after the Montreal player there definitely is something that is um, that is good for team morale, if that's the right term. Yeah, and um, I know Declan had this point the other day on JHS talking to you and Jesse, but the win against Boston, you might look back later on in the season, given how things end up and where this team does go, and if they eventually do start getting uh, into the playoff picture, make that run. Um, but that was like turning point. That that that's you're you're setting these building blocks, these foundation pieces 
for later in the season for, because as many closed door player only meetings as there have been silly enough already in the season down in the nitty gritty of things later on when they're maybe facing elimination or that's like a, Hey, this is a do or die game. We got to get two points on the road here before we end the season. Something like this, something like that went against Boston, Marco, Marco Rossi, no hesitation, dropping the mitts. That is like a emotional point in the season that they're going to claw back to Marcus Foligno is going to get up in somebody's grill and say, remember when this guy five foot two, Marco Rossi, all, all 87 pounds of him didn't hesitate, ran into the bears den fearless. That's what we need. Like that, that is the Minnesota wild mentality. The culture that Bill Guerin has been trying to instill in this team since he took over Marco Rossi, maybe the most unlikely guys to get a Gordie Howe hat trick. Picks one up tonight. In it, granted, you some some may argue, given the circumstances of having what, like you mentioned, one less forward, is right. it stupid to do that? Yes and no, but I, spontaneous I, though. I, I exactly. I, I liked it because of that. Yes, I I will back I will back him on that every day of the week. That is just fine for me, given everything that's been going on. You need those sparks. That might be. Like that's something that is going to spark the team and that could propel them with momentum here heading into the new year. That is exactly what I want to see. And Marco Rossi has been really impressing me this season. He's put it over the top. Now that performance tonight was tremendous. 11 goals now. Um, and it, to go back to your tale of the tape, Marco Rossi is five, nine, or he's listed. I should say five, nine, 182 pounds. Uh, Caden, Gooley, who is the kid or the guy that hit Kaprizov, is 6'3", 201. So that gives you, to your point, that is, and it was spontaneous too. Um, if it's something where somebody tries to go out and evens the score and does something dumb, I don't like that. Like, be smart about it. But when your star player gets hit and, and a 5'9 guy basically drops the gloves immediately with a 6'3 guy, um, that is the type of chemistry that, you know, uh, you, you can meet all you want. You can talk about unity. You can talk about lip service, blah, blah, blah. But when you are willing to drop the gloves immediately because Kaprizov get, gets hit on a hit, I think we all agree it's just a crappy hit that doesn't really have a place in today's game. That's impressive. So I like that. And I also thought that Rossi's game was really impressive too. Like he is past age. How how many tests now do, you know, I mean, we all were thinking, okay. And and it was my contention. He had to play like you had to find out, but I give him a lot of credit because he's come in. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm hard pressed to think of a test. He has not passed now. And he does look like the guy who deserved to be drafted and high. And you also, I think, are just seeing the start of, of the maturation of him as a National Hockey League player. Yeah, the, I mean, like you said, I'd, if there's a test still out there that he hasn't passed, I'd like to see it. He, he, he's done everything. The performance has been great. The team mentality you saw tonight. I think it's already been on display enough, but this put him over the top with flying colors. He, the skill has been increased. His strength on the puck has been increased. He's the, the maturity has been increased just due to some of the interviews and post-game um, interviews that we've seen from him and uh, quotes and kind of the, the word from out the locker room of guys just talking about his work ethic, staying home, uh, staying home in Minnesota, 
this offseason to really build as a player. He has been it's it's been a transformation in the past one year that's been so fun to watch because I feel like this is what a lot of people expected maybe maybe a year ago, you know, and, and maybe it was a part of the coaching change that has really now like the, the spark was there that has now lit it ablaze. But uh, th- this whole season has been a Marco Rossi coming out party, and it has been so fun to watch. I know uh, you're going to have people in the hockey community on the discourse of, well, he's technically still available for the Calder, but, you know, that's that he's pretty old, blah, blah, blah. I'd just enjoy it for right now. Just enjoy the good play. It, if he keeps this up, I'll, I'll be the chairman of the board for that conversation, trust me. But right now, Marco Rossi is doing everything that he has been expected to and then some. Enjoy it while uh, it's happening, and let's see this player continue to develop. The incredible thing is if I had a vote, if, if you t- told me, and yes, we all think that that Bedard is going to win the Calder by default, but if I had a vote and you said you have to vote for one of the two wild players, I'd vote for Brock. Like as good as yeah. – as Rossi has been, and he's been fantastic. I mean, he's been really, really solid. Um, Faber, to me, is I, – I started – when I was up in the press box tonight, I was going to say, you know what, I'm going to put a moratorium on my Faber praise because I do I do it every show, and, and I feel like at times I have different things to say about him, but it's a broken record. We all know he's good. But I was watching him in the second period on the power play age, and again, to go back to, he was not on the power play. He was not on the power play at the University of Minnesota. And I'm watching him live, and I realize he navigates and controls the blue line. And this was before the power play goal. So this is this was not in my thought process about the fact that he would score a goal. But he controls the blue line. He's such a fluid skater that he literally is a one-man, um, he is a one-man anti-clearing machine. Like the it's I don't know if this is tracked. It probably is not. But with today's stats, it might be. But if you were to track um, on the power play guys that don't allow clears, right, that hold pucks in, he's a nightmare because he skates so fluid blue line boards to boards, you know, um, the, the width of the ice that he is holding pucks in constantly and i want to say on the power play goal i think it was a power play goal that the wild scored in boston there there was a goal they scored in boston where he actually knocked the puck out of the air mm-hmm. um yeah. but i mean this is stupid that he's was like tied at 2-2 at the time he's a rookie this is yeah. absolutely stupid but i mean he controls for i don't know how to put this he controls the blue line and teams have problems clearing ordinary clears because he is it's like he's on a joystick or something he he's a, he's a he's a human pong game that's what he is he's he's yeah. the paddle and pong he just goes boop 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 back and forth it doesn't matter <laughs> nothing that pellet's not getting by him if you need if you need to clear the zone that's too bad even if you try to loft it over his head like you said the hand eye is there he boop 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 back and forth he he's the human pong game. It's incredible how efficient at 21, a rookie yeah. who, who just got thrown into the fire last season in the playoffs. Oh God, Judd, he, he, he looks like he's a 28 year old guy in his prime. It's, yeah. I, I can't wait until he is 28, 28 out. How, how much better is he going to be? Does he belong in the, or how, how close if he doesn't belong right now, AJ, how close is he to belonging in the, McCarr, Fox, that group of young defensemen discussion. Give me 
give me f- till February. If, if, if he can keep this, if, I don't expect the time on ice too, because I expect guys to get healthy and his workload comes off, which is good. Yes. But um, if he can keep up this performance until February, then yeah, I'll get, I'll start doing that. Um, Just, just because I want to have a, like the longevity I think is a factor. Basketball, you've had Lynn Sanity, even, Nally Akapov had what three months as an as an oiler who looked like a rock star, um, you know, knee sliding down the entire length of the ice. So give me until February. Um, if, if he really shines before then, I'll let you know. But like February first, we'll have a quick state of the Brock, and we will uh, we'll I'll let you know if we are uh, in that conversation or not. Because I don't think the points are going to come as much as they do for guys like that. But the thing about it that's uh, sustainable is the skating. Like the skating's incredible. The the he does things that he's not going to lose, and that's the or, or at least he's not going to lose them for years. And that's the incredible thing. Um, this might sound sacrilegious because I consider this guy to be one of the best defensemen on a on a National Hockey League team that I've seen in the state, North Stars or Wild. But he looks like f- with what he does, he's a better Brodeen. Which I'd never thought I'd say. I mean, I think Brody and and, and again, and again, the points don't come. So like 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 there's a national or there, there's not a lot of you know. I, I don't think Brodeen is going to get Norris Trophy votes. Um, if you watch him every game, there is something to be said. But it's like Faber has another gear from Brodeen, and that's what impresses me. But, but yeah, I, I was not going to sing the kids' praises tonight, and then he scored that goal and got the assist, and it's just incredible. Okay, let's talk about a bad thing. Um, according to my notes here, my chicken scratch, Montreal went one for six on the power play. The Boston game, the Wild did a far better job than they did in Pittsburgh of cutting, but the penalties and and case in point. So the Rossi one, I think we both said, you know what? He jumped the guy, Gooley, who, who hit Kaprizov, bang, bang. Good for him. Yes. He took a bunch of penalties and yes, he put, uh, he put the Canadians on a power play, I think. But anyway, um, the Bogosian um, double minor was, was the, in my mind, the opposite of that. That was dumb. Yeah. Brendan Gallagher has been bugging guys for years and Gallagher got pushed down and I know that they scuffled and then Bogosian started to, it, it looked like he tried to fight him and Brendan Gallagher is not going to fight you. He's like, oh no, no. Yeah. And Bogosian gets four, Gallagher gets zero. Uh, part of that power play for the Canadians was wiped out by a penalty that came very, very quickly after. But the point is, one for you can't take six penalty like like you can't put a team on a power play six times. I know it was a chippy game, um, but that is the one thing that John Hines has to get straightened out. This team needs to to be smarter, and it just feels like there's some really it's still lazy penalties or or in Bogosian's case, just unnecessary penalties still being taken. And that would be my complaint about what's transpired despite the success John Hines has had so far. Yeah, do I want to turn a blind eye to the fact that it was like a odd, oddly chit? Did I did I expect the Montreal Canadiens to be a a bitter rival of the Minnesota Wild? No, no, I did not. Now, but now we now there's two games in a row between these two teams that have had what feels like a combined fifty or sixty penalty minutes. Um, do I want to turn a blind eye to that tonight? I'm not going to because you you're you're right. Um, sick power plays. The, the Bogosian one. 
you you mentioned it boneheaded. Why? That's just like that's a kerfuffle for grabbing a guy just for the sake just, of just for the sake of wrestling. Dude. This is this this is not Monday Night Raw. This is not Friday Night SmackDown. This is not right. Money in the Bank. Let's let's just stay on the ice. Let's stay on our feet. I'm not sure why we're taking Brendan Gallagher down. Um, it, plus, if you're gonna try to get like one of those even up penalties, that is not the guy to do it. I know um, against Pittsburgh, I want to say it was John Merrill was able to get Malkin to the box with him, which yep. I think by all means is a win for the Wild. Brendan oh, yeah. Gallagher is not the guy that you want to try to take to the box there if you're Zach Bogosian. But um, the, the, the discipline. How many more times does John Hines need to answer questions, make a point of saying, hey, we need to address it, we need to get better, before it actually does get better? I I, I don't know what he needs to do behind the uh, you know, behind the scenes if there's any, like, unknown discipline that made it happen, but six power play attempts for the opposition is not something you can do. Because a better team, you mentioned at the top of the show, the Canadians are not that great of a team. They're plucky to use your term. Yep. They're, they're plucky. But when you give a team six opportunities to go on the man advantage in the NHL, you probably shouldn't win the game. Credit to the Wild for, I guess, limiting them to go one for six, but a better team capitalizes more than that, and you don't, you probably don't get to overtime. Uh, you probably don't get the point. So th- you're going to have to really look at and, – and they have a little bit of off time here now. I want to say they have one more game on Boston Saturday, Saturday night. Yeah, Boston. Yeah. And then, um, and then it's a very light week net next week after the new year or after between uh, the Christmas to New Year time. The holiday break, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan. Just keep playing games. Um, during that time, maybe holiday spirit, holiday cheer, helps the discipline. You know, guys, real a couple guys get cheer age. Hopefully, they get a little for for all these penalties. But uh, yeah, something's got to change because if they keep going to the box uh, as soon as uh, January first hits, it's going to be a lot of rough games back to back to back for this upcoming stretch. And I don't think it's that hard. Like I don't, I don't think that you're asking for a ton. It's like be smart, right? Don't take, don't stick check. I like they, yeah. they take, they take some dumb penalties at times. And it's like, that's the one thing. That's so that's the remnant of where they started the season because they do take some penalties where it's like you're not good enough to not work harder, and you know, don't be lazy, don't be dumb. Yeah. Um, the Bogosian one was just dumb, but I mean, there's also pet penalties that are lazy. Answer me this though. So th- this has been a, a talking point now for about three weeks or so, because it's occurring around the league. What do you think or how frustrating I'll rephrase this. How frustrating is it to you as a hockey fan that we have such a, um, a different interpretation just by by ref crew and sometimes by the period of the game on dangerous hits. Because Felino got boarding and he did charge. It, it was really probably more of a charge if if you were to call it, and they did. But the Kaprizov hit to me, I, and and look, part I agree with the I agree with the feeling out there by some, and it's been discussed. There are guys who don't know because. They're young and they grew up with the stop signs on the back of their jerseys. There's there are guys who just assume they are not going to be hit and then they get smoked and it's like, oh, my God. But it's actually not an illegal hit. But the Felino hit was called. Okay, you know, yeah, it's called. But the Caprizov hit to me was extremely dangerous. Yeah. 
it, it's getting frustrating because I don't think it should be this hard for an interpretation of what you're trying to get out of the game. And if the guy can't see you and you're going to smoke him, I don't see any upside to, well, that didn't cross the line. I would think that you would just want to get that hit out of the game completely instead of this willy nilly. That's a penalty. That's not, that might be a suspension. I'm very confused by the interpretation here. Yeah. It feels like, like it almost feels like they just have kind of a wheel that they're spinning in their mind where it's like, and all right, tonight, that one's, that one's a penalty for sure. But then, you know, 10 minutes later, ah, nah, that, that wasn't quite, you know, it, what it, it's the FCC, you, you know, you know it when you see it thing. Um, I, I, I would feel like on a lot of these, you err more on the side of caution and just deal with the, you know, the, the ref, you can then side with the, they're looking out for the player, uh, the health interests, you know, right. that seems like the better way to go rather than the opposite, which is let, let boys be blo- boys. It's a physical game. We're going to let that hit go. We'll assess anything later. But then you have a guy who, you know, for instance, Brodeen, he's out four to six weeks as what was somewhat leaked, somewhat reported. Um, you have tonight, like you mentioned, where the Caprizov hit, nothing happens. But on the other side, for the Felino hit, turns back uh, turns his back right at the last second um and i get the crowd that says guys have to be able to protect themselves this is hockey you you should expect to get hit and i do agree to an extent there for my entire life i've seen the dump in defenseman goes back he sends the puck around the end wall it maybe two seconds goes by he takes the hit that's just how it was do i feel like that's the most necessary hit ever no I I think you could just probably just skate on by and go along with your day, but it's the message of you got to let him know you're coming and that you're forechecking because maybe there's one time where he thinks the pressure's closer and then he messes up and then you get to hold the offensive zone and so it, it it's about sending the message it's about finishing your checks it's the coach's game plan, but you have to I think also as a player if you're playing at the NHL level and we talked about the speed the other night you're playing at a speed where you know, if you're in the role of the guy that you're about to hit, put yourself in his position. He, he should he expect you to be hitting him here? Would you want to be, you know, essentially boarded from behind in some of these situations? It, it's part of it is on the player, but I think most of it is on the officiating, which is we just don't have a clear cut. This is a bad hit. This is a good hit. Um, so to wind it back to pretty much what I said, I would like to see him more put in the the safety aspect of, you know, call the penalty because that's going to start bringing things down, making an example of the game is going to change. And then maybe do you back off at some point? That's what it was with uh, like roughing the quarterback in the NFL. It seems like right. they did overkill at a certain point, but now pass rushers have gotten a lot better about maybe not using the full force, being as vicious with their hits. Maybe that's the thing you have to the, the route you have to take with the NHL. I'm not sure. It's the blindside hits I hate. And and look, there there are times and guys need to learn. Like you can't just trust a guy is always not going to, especially if, if you're going to the end boards and chasing a puck, you can't just assume that you're not going 
to be hit and hit hard. Um, what I didn't like about the Kaprizov hit is that's a blindside hit. And I don't think Coyle put himself like he could have been checked without that check. And I guess my question is this. If if you're not going to protect on this team, you know, in particular, if you're not going to protect him, who are you going to protect? He's a superstar. And and look, I would say that if the the um, if this had been the Canadians, you know, if this had been Cole Caulfield and he gets a cheap shot, I'd say the same exact thing. Um but I just think that there needs to be a real to, to what you're saying. There needs to be an examination of these hits and to sort of try to determine, OK, this is what we don't want, because it seems to be very, um, very willy nilly right now. Uh, you, you just put up a comment from Philip on the screen. He says, I wasn't excited for the for Faber in the trade. I'm eating my thoughts a lot. Yeah, um, you know, when they made that trade, the Fiala trade, and we, we talked about this with Dex and Jesse Pierce a couple of days ago on uh, the JHS we recorded on Wednesday. You know, they were forced to trade Kevin, and nobody wanted to trade him. Uh, and I think it's been very well proven that from a cap standpoint, you, you know, because there was this whole thing, we'll just trade Dumba. Well, that wasn't going to that, that wasn't going to get you enough off the cap to keep Fiala. And I think we all thought, okay, that you know, F- Faber's a really good prospect, and they got a first round pick that's turned into what Olgren, right? Is that correct pronunciation? Yeah, uh, the kid that's going the kid that's going to be the captain of Sweden in the World Juniors, which starts the day after Christmas. So you know, okay, it's not great, but but I mean, it has turned out to be a fantastic trade, and I, I would love to poll um, people with the Wild and people around the league. I don't think anybody thought Faber was this good. And part of it's probably opportunity. I mean, he didn't play in the power play in college like we talked about. But I'd be I'd be very surprised if a lot of people said, "Oh yeah, he top prospect." Um, I thought he was going to be good. I had no clue. And there are people that disagree. And Fiala's age is having a nice year, but I think the Wild flat out won this trade. Like if you're from a positional standpoint. If you're going to tell me that you can have a forward that can score or a defenseman who can play for you for 15 years and is a lockdown type of guy and can do all of the things that so far as a kid Brock Faber can do, I'm taking the defenseman. So, yeah, I uh, I don't think any of us realized the trade was this good. I think the biggest thing about it is how quickly we're able to, I think, definitively say the Wild not just like won the trade, clearly won the trade. It, it, like you said, Fiala, I think he's still a fantastic player. I think he still has his issues at times where he shows up scorching hot for a week and a half, and then he maybe takes the next half a week to a week off, and then he comes back and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it, but what we're seeing out of Brock Faber this early, the guy, the guy's a, he, he eats minutes, and he's, a, he's just that calming presence, that human pong machine that I said earlier, he, he's just incredible on the blue line. And you're telling me we also were able to uh, see the wild go out and take that pick and turn it around for Liam Ogren, who clearly a leader mentality is wearing the C for Sweden here uh, just after Christmas day. And from what I see from him, he's a little bit of a two-way player in a sense, but with a pretty special offensive touch as well. Good hands, good vision can move the puck that 
give it give it another two years, and I think we're going to say this was a landslide win for the Wild. Right now, it's it's a clear step or two in their direction. As Chris is saying here, we're going to say fleeced. Yeah, fully fleeced. Put a Paul uh, Paul's comment. Um, okay. All right, let's talk about this comment, all right? Okay. Because he did make a pass in OT that was picked off by Monahan and was nearly disastrous, and I'm almost positive that was Brock. And, yes, he makes some mistakes here and there. But, Paul, do you realize he's playing 30-plus minutes a game? And I'm going to tell you right now, he's not a liability. You want a liability? Watch Johnny Merrill play in his own zone. Um, you know, watch at times Goligoski. Uh, this is a kid who's being asked to play an absolute boatload. You know, he's got Prodeen out, who's his normal partner. He's got Spurgeon out. Brock Faber is being asked to play a ton. Does he make mistakes in his own zone occasionally? Yes. It's to be expected. I'm sorry. He is not even close to being a liability. What what he's doing right now, he's the intern at, at the, you know, at the company, right? But he's been given the work of an entire sales department. Yes. He's putting up record number sales. But then what he forgot to do was make a cup of coffee. That's that that was his mistake today. And, and a I cup had, of coffees I, as well. I I had it tweeted. I had it like typed out on my phone. That was the first mistake, because I know the past you're talking about. That Come was on the first hand. mistake Brock Faber has made in the past two months. Like I think that that is the one thing that I can recognize that he has done wrong. And I think it was you that actually said it the other night was his mistakes, they stick out so vividly because yeah. he makes so few. Yeah. It's it. Yeah. I, I disagree with, I disagree, Paul. I think he is a, a rock for them right now. The last thing for me, age. Um, so Jewel Erickson entered this game in 30 games. So he's now played 31 games with 14 goals. How did he not end tonight with 16 goals? I mean, he's not snake bit, but my God, he had some. And I, I'm just saying anecdotally, um, I mean, he had a couple of open nets that was just that were just incredible uh, that he didn't convert on, which is actually rare. Like he doesn't miss a ton, but oh, my God, I am amazed he didn't score at least two goals, which, of course, if he had, Kaprizov wouldn't have got the OTGWG because we would have been done after three periods. Yep. Uh, there was one, it was on the power play. Uh, mm -hmm. I want to say it was before Marco Rossi completed the Gordy, but there was, he just kind of was sitting on the back or he was sitting on the strong side of the, the goaltender. Eck was on the back door and the, he floated the most disgusting marinara dripping saucer pass I've seen from an Austrian in some time across <laughs> the slot. And it landed right on the tape. I don't think Eck was ready for it because he had the entire net and yes. somehow Montembeau came across and just because of the hesitation uh, was able to get, get a pad on it. I don't know how he didn't score there. And he had a couple of those tonight. It, it, it would, like you said, he's not snake bitten. He, he, I would not oh. categorize Eric Sinek in a slump by any means right now, but that that's one of those tonight. He's going to watch the film or he's going to watch it tomorrow when he gets in and just be like, how did I not score that? He's going to go. But the thing about him is he's going to go out on the ice and he's going to be in that same spot. And he's going to say, you know what? Hey coach, feed me. We're doing a bucket. If I don't oh, yeah. feel good, we're going to do another bucket. Yep. And then I'm going to do another. He's going to make sure the next time he gets that opportunity, he's putting that one in the back of the net for sure. Great stuff. Um, do you have any final thoughts on this game? I 
this past three-game stretch, I expected Penguins win, maybe Boston loss, and then this was going to be like the deciding where are we at momentum-wise. We saw a lot of good things that resulted in a loss, I think, from some key players against the Penguins. A, a comeback victory, a resilient adversity. Adverse, uh, a lot of adversity was faced against the yep. Bruins. They yep. come back and they get the win there. You come home. We're, we're seeing the right players start to really heat up. Matt Boldy has continued to look great. Brock Faber has continued to look great. And then some Marco Rossi, really, really impressive. And now the biggest key factor, Kirill Kaprizov looks to be, if he's not 100% back now, it's only a matter of time. Because I don't think, I think whatever gate was in front of him, holding him back from actually getting into the yard, getting up to the house, it's gone. I, I think he, it's now a matter of how quickly he does get back to 100%. I don't see any more barriers for him. Just keep progressing. He's going to be back, and we're going to be seeing the superstar, not just the star, the superstar that is Kirill Kaprizov here very, very soon. Um, I, I'm i mad that now we have to have this holiday break. Um, hopefully, hopefully it, I'm expecting a win now against Boston. I think that's, that's – Flower back and goal. Yeah, flower back, back and goal. goal. They're, they're going to want to head into that holiday break. On a high note, I think a win against Boston is very much in the cards on Saturday. And uh, the, the nice thing, too, is Krill is doing all of this without Zuccarello, which means that he can now have confidence that, yes, he does not need Bat or he, he does not need Robin to be Batman. All right, Age, great stuff. Thanks much. That Thanks for all, all of you who um, uh, tuned in, dipped in to watch our Judd's Hockey Show post game after a 4-3 overtime victory against the Montreal Canadiens. We will talk to you again soon.